raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. So we're all excited to go out on the town with Brian Battle. We were talking about it. We're dreaming. We can't wait <laughs> to make it happen. And when we were talking about that during the break, Fitty said, you know what? We need to all go as a group and play some laser tag one night. And then Wes, mid-sentence, he said, I'll stop real quick. I'm with that. I love laser tag. You're absolutely right. So apparently we're doing that, too. we yeah. got a lot of things to take care of outside of these walls. Yeah, man, Bryce going to be hell in there. It's always my gun's fault. It's never my fault. Right. <laughs> I can't blame the gun. Well, I mean, look, I'm trying. I'm aiming. The laser hits you. It's exactly where I want to put it on target. Yeah. But for some reason, your vest doesn't light up like it should. Yeah, we're gonna go to a good one, man. Like Frankie's or I've I haven't played in for in so long. When's the last time you played laser tag, Fitty? It's been well over a decade. I love it. <laughs> Has it really been that it's, long? It's been a while, but it'd be a great time for us to, you know, bond as a show outside of the the studio. Get some trash pizza and some soda. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd well, be fine. Some of the places are pretty good. I'd be fine with that, but I'd also would lo- I'd love to play some paintball. But you were not with that. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> paintball was fun growing up. I love playing paintball. I know how much I frustrate you. You would just take it all out on me. Bah, bah. <laughs> You'd be hiding in the corner. Go ahead, Fitty. You paranoid now? Bop, bop. Paint your helmet orange, man. That's we did that was. one time in college. Paintball's fine. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I loved it. Plus, the courses that you can go to. Like, sometimes we just play in, look, you got to remember, Catawba County, lots of people, lots of land. You'd have the woods. That was a lot of fun. But going to the actual courses where you mm-hmm. have battlegrounds to go out there on, paintball, I was a huge fan of that. Laser tag, that's fine. Maybe we can invite some other people to go out there and hang out with us. 704-570-9610. That's the Garage Door Guru text line. Feel free if you want to share your thoughts and comments because here we are talking about the NBA. NBA Finals starting tonight. Tip set for 8:30. Game one going down in Denver, and I'm wondering when we can see the Charlotte Hornets not just get to the NBA Finals. I just want one Eastern Conference Finals appearance. Okay, that'd be the first time in franchise history. And also at this point, just like to see a playoff series win, something we haven't had in quite some time. In the closest we ever got, 2016, 2017, and the second iteration of the franchise when they lost in seven games to the Miami Heat. Is there a blueprint? That is feasible for the Charlotte Hornets to follow here, Wes. Do you look at what Denver has accomplished, and do you look at what Miami has accomplished and think, oh, yeah, we can just go ahead and copy and paste that strategy here in the Queen City, and we'll be in the NBA Finals in no time. Is there a blueprint you think they could follow? Well, for them to follow Denver, could have started with them drafting uh, Michael Porter Jr. when they had the chance to uh, the year that he was drafted. But other than that, uh, with the Miami thing, I think it's just a mentality People talk about heat culture and things of that nature, and you can you can make of it what you will. But to me, and I know it's hard to replicate what Pat Riley has brought to them. Did you see that crazy stat about how he's been a part of 25% of the NBA Finals in all of history? Yeah, he's a pretty solid basketball mind. What? So, <laughs> but it's just the mentality that he brings. And you hear about them when they talk about the heat culture. For those who don't know, they talk about how 
and I've heard players on podcasts talk about this, how they check your weight all the time. You have to be in extreme condition. You have to be just a, a, a professional in every sense of the word. And so I think it's a mentality that you can adopt. I think it's something that the Hornets, they've never had a fear factor about them, I should say. Now, maybe back in the Zoe days and the LJ days when they did have a little bit of of a little bit more toughness as far as grit from Zoe and LJ that teams had a little bit more fear. But there's a little bit of a fear factor when you play Miami and that you know this is a team that is going to be relentless. They're going to play hard. They're going to do all of the things that they're going to play and do all of the dirty work. And I think there's a mentality and I think there's something to be said for a team that walks into your building and they embrace the dirty work. And I think that's what a Hornets need to get to because we look at their reputation on defense, how they have struggled so much in that area. And just you would hear Terry Rozier talk about after games all the time that, man, we just, especially games when they would play good defense, he'd be like, man, we just got to stay in the mentality to play good defense. We just got to have it in our minds to come out there. It should be there from the very beginning. And I think that's the number one thing they could do to be Miami-like is to get that grit and just really want to come out there and be the most physical team and play the hardest each and every night. Yeah, I think Denver is the one if I had to choose. It's really hard to ask any team to do what both of these franchises did. But I would have to choose Denver because it just seems the most logical you don't have to draft your three potential time MVP award winner at like number 41. Okay. That, <laughs> the odds of that ever happening again, basketball are, are gods. very slim. Yes. That the, the odds of that are very slim, but let's just go ahead and apply that logic to drafting a star somewhere, somewhere at the top of the draft. Maybe that could be LaMelo or even if he is just your second fiddle on a team that actually gets to the NBA Finals, maybe you could find that guy at second overall, with it being Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson, whoever that choice is. And then you make a shrewd move by trading for a guy like an Aaron Gordon, because that has been a huge pickup for them. You make a lot of other small decisions that have big impacts, like bringing over a KCP from Washington, also bringing over a Bruce Brown that has been amazing. You also have Michael Porter Jr., who you drafted, and you swung for the fences on. Because remember, MPJ was a guy that was the number one high school prospect, went to Missouri because you had, I think, your dad on the coaching staff there. Yes. And so he suffered a back injury. You knew it was going to be a high-risk, high-reward type of situation. Still has his injury problems, but man, the guy can shoot with the best of them at like 6'10". Yeah, super athletic. Crazy. And, yeah, he's so much fun. It's gotten better defensively, by the way. I think that is the most likely road to take. Whereas, look, Miami, they got Pat Riley, one of the best basketball minds in the entire sport. Is Pat, he the greatest ever? Just minds in general? If you want to argue that, that's fine. Jerry West is up I there. what you thought. No, Jerry West is up there. I, I think if you wanted to have that convo... What Jerry West did, you know, bringing Memphis to some respectable level. You talk about his work with Golden State, the Clippers, the Lakers. There's a lot of track record there to suggest, okay, yeah, Jerry West is awesome. But Pat Riley, you just mentioned that stat. And it doesn't matter what kind of group Pat has with Miami. You can either do the whole star team thing and go after LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and all of that. Or you can just say, all right, we'll have Eric Spolstra be the head coach as the film guy. And then he can also bring a group like Jimmy Butler, who's fantastic. But then Kayla Martin can blossom. Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson has had a hell of a roller coaster, goes undrafted, has an awesome finals run the first time around in the bubble, gets paid 20 mil per. 
and then goes back to the bench, and now here he is playing a big part again. You just pick your spots as to when these guys enter the rotation. Location matters a lot, though, because we can also remember, one, Pat Riley, is he making the decision to go to a mid-market? Like, I know Miami isn't filling up the stadium every time, but Miami's going to be a better city to attract some of the big-time free agent destinations. And if I'm not mistaken, I remember Mickey Arison wanted him really bad. Correct. gave him a big old bag. Well, and Mickey Arison has been willing to do that stuff. And, like, while I defend Michael on some stuff, yeah, I mean, Mickey Arison has been willing to spend a lot of money to make sure that Miami and that Heat franchise is taken care of. Well, I mean, we got to remember, when Jimmy Butler left Philadelphia, he was getting criticized heavily. Because that was clearly a better basketball situation at the time. People forget Miami had to go through hell after the Heatles days. They had a lot of people making a ton of money. It was like guys like Hassan Whiteside. They had to get the most out of Rodney Magruder, <laughs> Tyler Johnson. <laughs> I mean, what they were able to do and continue to like kind of be in playoff contention, but be on the outside looking in for Jimmy Butler to leave Joel and B Ben Simmons playing at an all NBA level Tobias Harris still like fringe all-star guy for you to leave that situation to go to Miami. That was missing the playoffs. Everybody was criticizing him. That was a real thing. But what do you know? Jimmy Butler being the leader with some undrafted free agents, they're able to go to the NBA finals a couple of times. So I think that's why like, it's probably a little bit easier for Denver. Just for my conversations here, and I feel like I agree with you if my hypothesis is correct. Mm-hmm. I feel like you don't think much of Bam out of bio. Oh, no, I like Bam. I like Bam. I just no, feel like you hadn't really Sorry, talked no. about him much, and so I'm like, maybe Walker didn't really. No, I like Bam. I, I, because that's... I have my reservations about it. Well, Bam out of bio against Jokic. This is where the whole small ball thing comes well, in. Well, it's, it's not even tough. just that. It's no, Bam just, was a great draft pick. It's he just was. that, uh, and I love the Carolina guys. You know what I'm saying? Out of Little Washington. Yeah. <sighs> you heard the sigh. You know it's coming. What's going on, man? I just, I just don't understand what these guys practice on when they go practice. Like, Bam has no real offensive game to speak of. Oh, well. He can hit an occasional 15, 17-footer. He gets his dunks. But as far as him being an all-star, because when I think of an all-star caliber before, because I know the averages are there. And me and my boy, that's the big Heat fan. He he hooped in college, big hoop head, and we talk about this stuff. And I'm like, he'll give you an occasional hook. But as far as him being a guy because that you can – depend on and just throw him the ball down low and he's going to destroy somebody. He he doesn't do that. Well, Wes, he's small. Yeah, but he's still a good size guy. Like, and especially in today's game, like you, he, but even just regardless of the size or what, however you want to classify it, his moves, his arsenal of moves is so limited. I mean, look, he's pretty damn skilled. I think he's a fantastic passer. We're talking about somebody at his size and his skill set, I guess. He averaged five assists per game a couple seasons. Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm just talking offense about offensive arsenal. I mean, yeah, you throw look. him the ball in the post, he'll get stuck, or he'll take a ill-advised 15 to 17 footer, or he'll give you a, a hook. But as far as like a spin move, fadeaway, or just an arsenal of post moves to get it down low to a guy to 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 give moves, it's like, what are you doing? I mean, yeah, I. W- it sounds like I like Bam Adebayo more than you, you do. Because <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. Because yeah. like I said, I, I always bring my boy to this because he's a huge Heat fan. And I'll talk to him. 
and he's very, very basketball savvy. Mm-hmm. And I'll bounce ideas off of him just to see if my thinking is correct on stuff. And he'll say the same thing. And he's a giant Heat fan. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, Bam has no moves. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I know. He's like, he's just yeah. whatever, whatever. Like, I just feel like we if you're just, an all-star big, man, I should be able to get you to rock and get a get a bucket. We just watch we we just can't agree on heat stuff. We just So can't. what do you feel like offensively he does well? The jump shot is there for Bam. Okay, that's what I'm I, I said that he can hit a 15-17 footer that's not a move, occasionally. Though. Well, the thing but I'm is, talking about just his offensive arsenal. What do you feel like he has in his bag? Well, I think they even run their offense through him. If you're talking about post moves, then yeah. no Bam Adebayo at 6-9 is not somebody that you're asking. Well, one post offense and post entry passes just aren't an efficient brand of offense anyway. So Miami's not going to be doing that. That's actually not something they run a whole lot. Like Bam Adebayo will take a bigger guy off of the dribble. You get it to him at the free throw line and then you'll run your offense through there. Some cuts. It's why right. he's able to facilitate. Yeah, that's cool. But I'm talking about getting me a bucket. Well, okay. Well, he averaged 20 points a game. Like, and he's averaged 20, 19 and 18. Like, what? Fiddy is mad at me over there. Like, he can't even... We're having trying to have a civil convo. Fiddy is angry. Why are you mad at me, Fiddy? Because you're acting like averaging 20 in today's NBA is something impressive. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, how many dudes can walk out and score 18, 19 a night off but of just it's effort just, plays? Because when I talk about different players in the league, and I describe some of the best scorers, and mm-hmm. I can tell you oh, yeah, he's four not or five different scorers. things. That, that's all I was... That's all I was... Okay, no, I can, I can I mean, describe four to five things that different guys do well. Like, if I talk about Tatum, I can say, well, he's really nice off the dribble, and he'll give you a spin move, or he's got fadeaways. He's really nice shooting off the dribble, this, that, and the third. And with Bam, it's like, okay, he can hit an occasional 15, 18-footer. He'll give you a hook shot. But oh. just I just feel like with his reputation that he has as an all-star forward, I just feel like this should be a guy that I should be able to come down, dump it down to, and get a bucket. Why, are, Walker, why are you so afraid to be critical of players? Because th- this guy, like, it's okay to criticize him. He doesn't have a post move. He gets most of his points <laughs> off of effort and hustle plays, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a whole fact. I mean, I mean, by God, not true. Yeah, well, <laughs> he gets most of his offense. This guy off of in Game that. Seven was not did not want to be on the court. He didn't want to shoot the ball. There are but some- he, hey. He's he's got greatness in a, as an offensive player. I appreciate your no. absolute opinion here. Getting so angry and worked up over Bam Adebayo offense. I do appreciate the passion. I just want passion. you to get mad he about hurts something. Them, in my opinion, a lot of times. Offensively, Bam Adebayo, people get on him because he's not aggressive, and he absolutely missed some bunnies against the Boston Celtics. The biggest problem that I have with Bam and that other people have with him is that you're right. I think people want him to be that offensive player. You're asking why he's mm-hmm. not, but. He isn't the guy that is going to take over and go get you 25 or 40. We actually kind of have this conversation a lot with Anthony Davis. Very similar criticisms we're getting. Now, we're not talking about the bag and AD being bagless, but we are talking about very similar aggression type of conversations. That's true, but AD has a lot of moves in his arsenal, though. He can do a lot of stuff. But we're also asking the same question, right? Like, AD is a more skilled player. I just, Mm -hmm. to me, I'm just... Yeah, I'm confused about the post moves, right? Like, sometimes I'm just... He should just be... All I'm saying is that he should be a bucket. Like, if okay. you're an all-star, you should be a bucket. I should be able to get you to rock, you get me a bucket. He hurts them late in games. If Jimmy and the three-point shooters aren't hitting, he's, and that's my biggest point I guess I'm trying to say, 
if Jimmy's not on and those shooters aren't hitting, he's not a guy they can depend on for offense. I mean, that's that's Consistent. fair. That's yeah, that's fair. All, that's, that's my only. I point. guess I guess you're just asking him to be something that he's not, in my opinion. If, like, if, if he's a two on that team because it's Jimmy and Bam, that's the two stars. But that's what I've been speaking about. Like, it's been like Jimmy as the clear leader. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. This I agree is with so you. Impressive. I agree with you. I'm just saying that Bam should play like a star offensively, and he doesn't. Yeah, I yeah, that's like I think he plays for like a two-time All Star with a couple of appearances in between him breaching two-time All-Stars and him being all-defensive, like, that's more... I I feel like he's getting the accolades that you kind of expect when you talk about Bam. I don't have any problem criticizing him. Limited. I just... Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's not... limited like the clothing store. He's not Jokic. He's not Anthony Davis. <laughs> I just... Yeah. I guess we just have different opinions on what he should be out there. 704-570-9610. We're going to let Fiddy cool down from the unexpected Bam out of bio passion that he has, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers and their defense. Are we overrating the defense coming in to this regular season? Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. My man Colin coming in here. I can always count on Colin when you two don't remember something from 90s nostalgia. And I get it. But I can always count on Colin to come in here and connect with me. This is an old head club that yeah, we do not about have about my 90s. <laughs> Look at him. With the 90s nostalgia, like man. It. We were talking American Gladiators during the break. And we were talking about just uh, how much we enjoyed it. But I was telling him all the foulness. <laughs> That was going on that gets exposed in this documentary. Most of the gladiators didn't even participate in the documentary because they did not like the guy so much. Um, they hated him so bad they didn't even participate in the documentary. What guy? The the guy uh, that his was name winning? is Johnny Ferraro. All right. They hated him so bad. He did so many people so wrong, man. They they basically they established the thing that he sold his soul to get that show off the ground. <laughs> And then he just messed over everybody. Are he you spoiling? Could. Are you spoiling no, some of this stuff? Okay. No, okay. No, no. I just want to make sure. You're going to be able to tell might... when you look at the guy. He's right. a sleaze bag. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Charlotte FC, Major League Soccer is now in season, and the WFNC Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match. So stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse. Coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line. Only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. And check out the podcast. If you love what we're doing and you want to hear it again, if you happen to miss the show, go check out the Wesson Walker podcast on the WFNZ app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcast. So, Coming back and talking about the Carolina Panthers defense. And this is something that's kind of been bubbling under the surface for me, okay? Like a good stew brewing, so to speak. So I wonder in my mind at times, and this is why I put it in our rundown, when you look at this Panthers defense, it's like they have a mythical reputation off of what they did last year. And it's like people talk about this defense like, they were really good last year, and then they're on the cusp of being great now that they got Israel Evero. And so for me, I just wondered, looking at it 
objectively how far are the expectations? Are they unrealistic? How realistic can we be about how far they can ascend? Because this was a defense last year that was 22nd in yards allowed, 19th in points allowed. But people talk about them like they were a good, a really good defense. And it kind of perplexes me at times. I don't think they're terrible, but I'm just like, wait a minute. Are we really looking at the rankings here when we just assume that this defense is going to be really good or that they are already good and are about to go to the next level? So what say you to this, Walker? Are we setting up ourselves for a letdown with Carolina's defense? I don't know if we can get to top five this year, but I do think that there is that potential because I do value Ajero Averro's defensive mind. Look, you got some talented guys on this side of the ball, right? Like we can go to the pro football focus rankings. Derek Brown, number 11 on the entire defensive tackle list. We both, it seems like, even value Brian Burns more with this team, who is not your Nick Bosa or Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons of the world, but Brian Burns is a very good pass rusher in the NFL. We can also go to J.C. Horn, who was number nine on Sam Monson's list on pro football focus. So you have guys in a bunch of different areas. Now you bring in a veteran like Von Bell. Jeremy Chin is someone that has a lot of ability, maybe hasn't lived up to it the last couple of years, but we know that Jeremy Chin has that kind of ability. Can Averro get the most out of it? I like the linebackers fine. I think this is all about the whole potential thing. It's why I rely a lot on that Mina Kime soundbite where it's always been about potential. I think we know that there's some work to do. That's why I think you bring in a new defensive coordinator. You can make a big old jump as long as the talent exceeds or reaches its full potential. You have a different scheme here to maybe work with some of the guys, better strengths and attributes. But the other thing is you did deal with some injuries, especially at a particularly vulnerable position last year. JC Horn missing time again. That's a problem. Dante Jackson missing time again. So now CJ Henderson, Keith Taylor have to come in and play some real snaps That didn't go over well. We know that the secondary wasn't performing well, especially with some of the injuries. And remember, Jeremy Chin missed a lot of last season. Like we're talking about, I think, six weeks just coming from the top of the dome. I think he missed quite a bit. So you're talking about some real injuries that this team suffered. Yeah, I think the potential is there to be very good, like top 10 for sure. And along with the coaching of Averro, I think top five is within reach as long as everybody can say, I think, I think. It's within reach if everybody stays healthy and some of these guys can reach their full potential like a Burns and a Brown and some of the other players. All right, so when we look at this defense and break it down, where are the weak links? Well, we talk about Dante Jackson on one side. We know that the the cornerback room is very fragile, especially if they lose J.C. Horn. But the thing I'll also say, to go to a top-five defense, one thing for sure is going to have to happen. They're going to have to get into the top five when you talk about sacks. And so... Besides Brian Burns, we know that he's going to get the job done. But where do you feel like the sacks? And I know this isn't in our rundown, but this is a question that just came to me as we're flowing here, okay? Feel me flow like naughty by nature. Mm -hmm. I know you don't remember that. But um, (laughs) where will they find the sacks at this point? Is it going to come from one of the rookies? Like, where will the sacks come from? Because that's what takes your defense from, especially for this unit, I would call them average at this point. From average to good, good to great. Where would they find those sacks? I think it's Brian Burns and maybe even Derek Brown a little bit more so. Can we get some kind of production to eight sacks for Derek Brown? Can we get something like even six or so with him starting to get home a little bit more? I think it's going to be tough for DJ Johnson to get there. 
And I think you might have to experiment more so with Frankie Luvu, who was a big part of their pass rush last year, I think finishing with seven and a half sacks. And so I'm interested to see if Luvu can provide that type of production once again. But also, I think just Brian Burns increasing by a lot, right? Like here we are, he reached double digit sacks last season for the first time in his career, but you can still see a pretty big jump. Can we get to the 16 sack type season? Can we get to something like that where Brian Burns is actually doing a lot more of the heavy lifting? That would be fantastic for this team and everybody else can do their job and really help you get to that top five moniker. I think Brian Burns is the guy where we'd like to see the all pro level type of year. Can we get some kind of Hassan Reddick growth, right? Where it was good in Carolina and then goes to a different level. Yes, I understand that you had a lot of pass rushers to help Hassan Reddick get free, but maybe you can find some other ways for Burns to get free and increase his level a little bit more. So. Because the benchmark when you look at it, let's just look inside the division. The Panthers, 35 sacks, and you look at New Orleans, who was ninth last year in scoring defense, 48 sacks, and then you talk about the Dallas Cowboys, who were a top five defense last year. So if those are the benchmarks you want to get to, you're looking at around at least 45 sacks. So that's an increase of 10 for the team. Mm -hmm. But then you're talking, if you want to get to that top five level, that's an increase of 20. So you're talking about for Burns, I project in this defense, he could he could flirt with 15 sacks. So yeah. there's 15 there. Derek Brown, especially with his size, Playing in a 3-4 defensive end, got to deal with two blockers a lot, especially since he's a key guy on that defense. Offenses will key on him. I could see him in the 6-8 to eight range, and that's a pretty good one for him. You would think with the other two guys, you probably get maybe 6-8 to eight combined between Shy Tuttle and um, I forget the other guy that came from Denver. Um, uh, Deshaun Williams. Yes, him. Linebackers inside, Shaq will probably get maybe a couple. But Frankie Louvu is going to be a key guy. That, that's that's the thing I wonder is where will the sacks come from? Frankie Louvu had Frankie Louvu had seven last season. I think they need to find another double digit sack guy if they're going to get to that elite level. They've got to find that somewhere within that front seven. Can you possibly put together a combination of the rookies? Maybe. Well, I mean, what about a guy like Leonard Floyd? Because people have brought him up quite a bit. Sure. Is Carolina just flat out done adding to that side of the ball? And so when you compare someone like a DeAndre Hopkins to come in who is open for business, he said that he's willing to listen to anything and he's taken his time with this. That was reported by Jeremy Fowler. So would you rather allocate your money right now to somebody like DeAndre Hopkins who can come in and at least in the meantime, at an older age, be your wide receiver one? Or would you rather go to someone like a Leonard Floyd who isn't as celebrated at their position as much as DeAndre is, but he more so provides a position of need, right? Like he gives you some of that pass rush that he's shown in his time in the NFL. And I, and I, I get maybe Carolina going to another veteran out there on the open market. What I also will say is that we can go back to last year, the yards per game that they allowed. It was, I think in the bottom third or excuse in, in certainly the bottom half of the league, but we can go to 2021 and you still have some similar players. Hassan Reddick probably being the biggest difference just at the top of my mind. But they were actually second in yards allowed per game in 2021. And you still have your Derek Brown, except by the way, he was better last year, way better than he was in 2021. And you still have somebody like Brian Burns. 
you have J.C. Horn, who played more than J.C. did in 2021 when he suffered that big injury. And so I think theoretically that's where a lot of people are going to. You had some success two years ago. Can you pick up where you left off with a lot of the similar players this year with just clearly a better coaching staff in place? I think, too, what I would do is if Leonard Floyd's going to sit out there, I let him sit for a bit and I see what I've got in D.J. Johnson. Because a lot of people talked about how bad the pick could be. But you won't know that until you get him on the field in pads, until you get him on the field in games. He could pop. We see it all the time with guys who are mid to late round picks that end up being studs. I think I wait and see what I've got in DJ Johnson. Is he going to be a guy that can contribute immediately? Because listen, especially in that type of defense, I don't need a rookie to come in and be able to to give me arithmetic out there and tell me every little nuance. If I draft a kid like this, I can tell him third down, see quarterback, go hit quarterback, go get him. So you could get make him a situational pass rusher in year one, and maybe he could provide eight to ten sacks for you. We just don't know that yet. But that's the route I would go. But a more pressing topic that I would like to get to is Jeremy Chen, and his position coach called him a superhero <laughs> and said that uh, he was a superhero. We just don't know which one he's going to be from day to day. I, I, I paraphrase that. But do we feel like that he's a guy that we are putting too many expectations on? And then to have some fun with this, do we feel like that uh, which superhero might he be? Because Peter Hansen, let me get that. He said, we see him as a superhero. We just don't know which cape he'll wear from day to day. So I feel like that's a prerequisite. We need to pick a superhero with the cape if we're going to compare him to somebody but what do we think about that? Too many expectations and which okay. superhero is he? All right, let me let me focus on the expectations first. Yeah, we know you're not a superhero guy, but try your best. Yeah, I'm going to try my best in a second. <laughs> With all of the expectations, I, I actually I actually don't think people are putting too much expectations. I think it's the right amount. I think you expect a lot from somebody as talented and showed what he did in his rookie season. Like, And Jeremy can feel that way. Like, I understand that there is, there's a lot being asked of you. But it's because you showed up really well your first season in the league, and then it just hasn't panned out as much as what people thought it was going to. Like, the expectations wouldn't be as high if he didn't perform the way he did finishing second in defensive rookie of the year voting. And then we haven't seen maybe that level the following two years. Now, part of that might be Phil Snow not using him correctly. Part of that might be where he's been injured, and some of that has affected his ability to cover. You know, there are some excuses to be had there. But... He's a big wild card, man. I mean, here we are talking about top five potential, top 10, if you just think like that's a realistic goal for them and you think top five is a little too much. Top 10 is certainly within their ability. And if Jeremy Chin can maybe not reach Pro Bowl level, but just have a good, you know, well above average year, man, think about how much that would mean for this team. Mm -hmm. So Von Bell just plays what we know he's capable of. Xavier Woods, he plays what we know he's capable of. And then you have Jeremy Chin, playing close to what he did year one, man, that's such a big swing factor. And so, yeah, that's why I think that we're asking just enough from him. Now, I don't know what superhero. I, I actually, you know what? I did research on this because okay. I knew this question was coming. <laughs> and I was looking at some of these guys, man. Uh -huh. Fitty threw out Aquaman yesterday. Uh -huh. That's very on brand for the fish guy. Right. He threw out Green Lantern, which seemed a little too obvious, I guess, is what you were going with when you threw out Green Lantern yesterday. Like... I was thinking of Daredevil, 
Because Daredevil's blind, right? Do I have that correct? <laughs> yes. So maybe people are blind to the fact of his ability after two years of being dormant. And maybe this is the year where he really shows all of his ability. I tried, man. I looked at Superman. He didn't feel like a Batman. You tell me. This was the best that I could come up with. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, uh, as far as the expectations. is Daredevil, I need a, I need approval or disapproval with, uh, with Daredevil. That's a little bit off, but I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll bring it back. Just so, a little bit. Uh, when you talk about Jeremy Chen, I do think the expectations are getting a little bit high. People are going to expect him to turn into the player he was three years ago. I'm not sure that he could morph back into that guy. But, but why not? Because it's it was three years ago. I mean, his body's been through more. He's been through more. And, and, and it's just going to be different. I'm just saying I'm not sure that he can turn back into that. Maybe, maybe he does. But I do think that the buzz is really starting to ramp up on him as far as with Panther fans and what they think that he could be. But as far as my superhero comparison, I think I've got a good one. I went with the guy with the cake. Mm -hmm. Movie wasn't great. The second one wasn't. But I'm going to go with Shazam, okay? Because Shazam could morph at any time, go from teenage kid to superhero. And I feel like in this defense, all the roles he will have, he can just go, Shazam, I'm a safety. Shazam, I'm a linebacker. Shazam is a music app. Yeah, but Shazam is also <laughs> a character. I've never heard of Shazam. I know Kazam. Isn't that and Walker must not watch TV, Fitty, because Shazam's had two movies. Now. Is, isn't Kazam who Shaq was? As yes, the, the Kazam was who Shaq was. Can he be Kazam because he's going to be magical? No, he's Shazam right, because they're going to ask him to be multiple roles that he's just going to have to morph into. And Shazam, he runs, he jumps off of something, mm -hmm. and he yells, Shazam! All and right. then he turns into it. So so th as we often introduce Fitty into a segment, he's over there angry at some whatever take. He's angry at my Shazam take. Oh, I'm not! And he's, angry. <laughs> he's shaking his head over... My my daredevil take where he even said, no, that was pretty bad. Let's hear your grand superhero comparison that you have for Jeremy Chin. Cause if you're going to criticize, I need something from you. Okay. And this might be recency bias. Cause I just watched his movie last night and I eat. It was awful. I came up with Ant-Man because sometimes Chin comes up very big and very big moments. And then there are sometimes in very big moments, like Ant-Man does, he shrinks down and he disappears, and he's nowhere to be found. Somebody texted in, Mute Walker. They're not happy with my Shazam jokes. <laughs> That's why I was shaking my head. It has nothing to do with your Daredevil opinion. It was just, it was... It, they ran the hell out of those those uh, trailers during a lot of sporting events. I don't know how you I, missed that. Honestly, like, I really just have no clue. When you said Shazam, I thought you got it wrong and you were referencing Shaq as Shazam. So you are being for real. Oh, I'm still being for real. I really don't know who Shazam <laughs> He's is. He's got a red costume. I'm looking it up now. I mean, when you looks, see it, you'll be like, oh, I remember seeing a trailer for this movie. Well, like, I know upon further review that it's not Flash, but the red, the gold, like, just glancing over his costume, he looks like Flash to me. That's what he looks like. All right, Fiddy, go ahead with what you were going to say, because we're going <laughs> to... Well, I mean, so, I mean, because I came up with Ant-Man, because, you know, Ant-Man can enlarge in himself, and sometimes Jeremy Chin could do, will do that, and then sometimes Ant-Man gets a little small and he disappears, and Jeremy Chin does that as well. Big Cat Dan says, good one, Fiddy. 704 said, this is such a millennial debate. Now, yeah, Ant-Man, when he does morph down in size, though, he still has a big impact. Sometimes. But what about what about Mr. Fantastic? Because you can stretch him and make him do a whole bunch of different things. I like it. I'm rolling with it. Mr. Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Stretchy Man, Jeremy Chin. Lock it in. What is Mr. Fantastic's actual name? Uh, that's M. Fantastic, if you just want to abbreviate it. That's fine. 
All right, well, when we return on the Wes and Walker show, we're going to try to school walk up on superheroes during the break, but we're going to close this thing down on this day in sports history. It's going down. This is the Wes and Walker show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Shazam! Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. I still think Mr. Fantastic works, man. I stand by it. <laughs> I have no problem. Jeremy Chin, Mr. Fantastic, doing the Spider-Man meme, one and the same. We got a couple texts coming in, 704-570-9610. Wolfpack James is saying, yeah, see, I feel like is there a shapeshifter out there? He doesn't know his superheroes all that great, but someone who can turn himself into whatever is needed to get the job done. Like, yeah, that's what I just described. There's somebody, who does that? It is Mystique. You're right, from X-Men. I didn't know that. Yeah, Somebody from else X-Men. wrote that. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, yeah. no, you're very correct. That, well, Dustin, I will give you the credit. And Loki can do that, too. Yeah, Loki is a villain, though, right? Yeah, but Loki can turn into yeah. anybody. I thought about Deadpool because Jeremy Chin might be an anti-hero to some people. Mm-hmm. And so I thought Deadpool might work there. Um, we had Cyber Joe write in Batman because yeah. he has a utility belt, yeah, just like Chin can be used in the box to stuff the run as a blitzer to get to the pastor, pastor covered uh cover a tight end what do you think about jeremy chin being batman don't ever okay batman is reserved for superstars only batman is a superstar superhero and he is only reserved to be compared to other superstars cackalack wrote in how about nightcrawler Ooh, we like nightcrawler <laughs> nightcrawler was badass yeah. i just know that those were what you use when you go fishing to be honest that was a great movie with jake gyllenhaal too never seen it he was a uh, reporter that chased crimes. Oh, it was a great movie. Never seen that. Uh, Mo City Jacker said, how about Wolverine? Are we just I thought about Wolverine, actually, but I said Wolverine is another A-lister, though, to me. But why, But what's the comparison there? Like, why? I need some um, kind of reason. I guess kind of, because I was trying to think of the bill, but Wolverine's really short. Because when I looked up in a comic encyclopedia, he's only like 5'3". Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just really angry, and he just tears through stuff. And like I said, he's an A-lister to me. Jeremy Chen ain't quite there yet. All right. Casey Steve wins. This is why he goes Deadpool. Because Jeremy Chen can get burnt, but he can also heal quickly and go make a play. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> I like that. See, that's what, well I was, done. that's what I've been trying to say. Well, that's Casey what you were trying to say. <laughs> Thank well you. Well done. Thank well you, done. Casey Steve, for helping me out. So, yeah, get out of here, Mr. Fantastic. It is Deadpool, and we appreciate Casey that was Steve fantastic. on the text we line. We have some witty fans. We do. We, do. we have we have some witty uh, listeners here. All right, we appreciate Brian Battle for hopping on with us, talking a little bit about his 50K that Hunter Bailey helped him get to. We'll put that on the website, as we mentioned. We appreciate you guys for listening in. With one more segment to go, it's time for the final topic, what happened on this day in sports history with Josh Fiddy Marlowe. All right, guys, on this day in 2012, Johan Santana became Nohan Santana as he threw the first no-hitter in the history of the Mets in an 8-0 win over St. Louis. He threw 134 pitches. And that was the end of his career. (laughs) It pretty much was. like That's the equivalent of like two starts in today's Major League Baseball. The Mets had played 8,120 games before their first no-hitter 
while there had been 131 no-hitters thrown across baseball since their debut season in the 1960s. Yeah, Johan Santana was crazy good for quite some time. There was like a three, four-year stretch if you want to do the baseball reference nerd page. I mean, even longer than that, to be honest. It was just that three-year stretch where he had consecutive all-star appearances. He just played in Minnesota, which wasn't great at the time. Like, you had Joe Maurer in your Morneau days, but Santana was awesome on the mound. And honestly... I forgot how good he was going all the way up to 2010 before 2012, boom. Like 485 mm-hmm. ERA, arms thrown off after pitching two games in one because he wanted to accomplish the no-hitter, and that was it. And that would be the end of the days of Johan turning into Nohan. What a performance, though. It was crazy. Yeah. It was Didn't one- he have a nickname? I don't know what his nickname was. I just know that Johan Santana was, was awesome for a little while. Yeah. And that'll do it for on this day in sports (laughs) history. Some great Johan Santana uh, remembrances happening in 2012. I did see this, though, if we want to salvage another baseball topic. Did you see that Barry Bonds is having a documentary made on him by some of the same directors, production team, as who did Last Dance? I'm excited about the Barry Bonds Oh, that's going to be dope. Yeah, that's going to be great, man. It'll be real juiced. I'm excited for it. Yeah, and he's going to get give his take on everything that's happened, and you know it's going to be explosive. I love watching and going back and looking at the career of one Barry Bonds, and I feel like that one is going to be one that I anticipate and I'm as excited about as much as any athlete that I've seen in quite some time. Like, Michael is clearly up there. Everybody wanted to see what was going to go down in the last dance. I got up for the Lance Armstrong documentary, too, Mm. because that thing was, I mean, we all know Lance was like viewed as this hero amidst a sport where everyone was doping except for Lance because no one wanted to accept it. And boy, not a great dude behind closed doors after he ended some guys' careers. And so I wanted to see that one. But Barry Bonds, man, if they can get this thing right, that's going to be awesome to watch. Which was the home run that he hit that was always the famous one they would show that as soon as he hit it, he threw his arms up in the air, exalting. Well, I mean, was it the one where that broke Hank Aaron's record? I think, I couldn't remember if he was playing for Pittsburgh or San Francisco at the time when he did it. I feel like it was the Giants. So if here's the question. When I was a kid, I have a very different view of this now. But as a kid, the guy in the Mets jersey caught the home run ball that Barry Bonds hit, if I'm not mistaken. Okay? And so he has to be escorted out because he has something crazy valuable. Oh, yeah. He has the baseball that broke Hank Aaron's single season record. Or, excuse me, I'm sorry, not single season, but career record. So Hank Aaron, um, after that record was broken, Mets jersey, gets the baseball. And I remember reading the next day and talking about it with my dad that he had to sell it because he was going to have to pay income tax on it. And so, because he didn't want, he was like, "Look, I, this wow. is this is too valuable. So we got to sell this thing." And so, for me, I was like, "Man, I wouldn't want to sell it. I'd want to keep it." But knowing how much it would go for, would you want to sell it or would sell, you want to sell, keep it? Sell, yeah. Yeah. sell, sell, yeah. give me the bag. I would too. Like early, even, even even disregarding the income tax, I think I have that right. But disregarding that, I never still knew sell that. It. I think I'm right. So if about you that. have famous sports memorabilia, you have to sell it. I, I, I mean, you you get income tax on it. I'm not sure the rules on it. I, I'm just pretty sure when you have something that valuable, I think that was something that came up. And I remember as a kid, I was like, oh man, that sucks because I'd want to keep it. But now being an adult, yeah, man, it's time to sell that. You thing. know, there's a great new show on uh, Netflix about it, uh, a guy and his crew that goes out there, some of the rarest memorabilia out there. Yeah, it's like the uh, the um, auction. Sports stuff. Yeah, it's like an auction show, something like that. Yeah, yeah, really cool to see. All right, that'll do it for Wes and Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show. I'll be on time tomorrow. Smoke Ludwig. 
Yeah, Wes is going to be here from 12.15 to 3, but me and Fiddy will be with you <laughs> from 12 to 3. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.